calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome to my vagina. This is Jesse Karen. This is Rebecca Frank. And here we are again, having our current historical, hysterical, and infuriating conversation about our lives as vagina-having organisms. All content made up on the spot, but probably researched. Just kidding, fools. It's definitely researched. Hey, everyone. What's up? We have a really depressing episode for you today so we're gonna start it off with a really lovely uh uh message that we got that we're really excited about that i can't find something about researching abortion for oh four hours this morning made me a little slow so depressing <laughs> and a little sad a little nauseous <laughs> so bad anyway thank you chloe for sending us this super lovely message in lieu of reviews that we're not getting <laughs> yeah leave us a review please have we guilted people into it enough know, clearly not because <laughs> we're not getting enough she wrote dude i'm finally listening to your podcast it's fucking fantastic i'm pretty obsessed she was on a road trip so she'd been driving for two days and she binged our whole thing how fucking cool is that that's really awesome right yeah she Call had her a sweet, sweet sweet voices washed over her <laughs> <laughs> lucky right <laughs> she sent us this uh conversation about some dude who posted that he had the worst sex uh ever because it was super dry and the worst ever and it's like you're a dick first yeah. of all don't yeah. guilt don't shame her first of all it's rude as fuck to to call somebody out for being dry on the internet mm -hmm. but also like i i, I don't want to shame people for because it doesn't necessarily mean you're bad at oral but this guy i feel like is probably bad at oral because like if a person is dry you can use lube or maybe you're not doing it right mm -hmm. yeah also i don't know maybe like eye for an eye if he's shaming her on the internet we'll shame him on our podcast that's kind of how i feel like yeah. you're a dick also to any of the women who are facebook friends with this person who read that text and felt some sort of like shame you didn't there's nothing wrong with you there isn't anything wrong with you you're fucking fantastic you're perfect you're Fuck perfect that the way guy. You are. yep we love you yeah i was actually reminded just now by i used to work with this guy at this coffee shop um and i had a crush on him and he and i didn't know he had a girlfriend and he invited me back to his place and we've been out drinking and he invited me back to his place and I get into his house and I saw a fucking like bathrobe that was a woman's bathrobe and I was like this is uncomfortable yeah. but I was like 23 so I was like whatever it's what fine so I went to fucking go down on him and he's like your mouth is really dry get can me some water you yeah, motherfucker I was like well can I have some water then and then 
and then he wanted to have sex and i was like well i need a condom he's like well i don't feel like walking to the corner store so oh i left my god yeah oh my god yeah it's pretty crazy that is oh my god yeah he was pretty he was pretty fantastic <laughs> yeah he sounds he was, like a winner he was a wiener he's the one who got away <laughs> right <laughs> i've been pining after him all of these years <laughs> before we go into this uh really depressing topic i want to ask you all a question for research purposes <laughs> if you were in a room and you were to heard hear a butt fart and a vagina fart do you think you'd be able to tell the difference <laughs> Asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. <laughs> Please send us an email at welcome to my vagina at gmail.com with your answer. Yeah, because Spotify, Instagram, and Patreon have all blocked our vulva images and a queef sound, which, by the way, sounds just like a fart. I'm sorry, vaginal flatulence. Vaginal flatulence. Thank you. A pussy fart, also known as a queef, moth puff, gash gas, beaver burp, or flap slapper, is an expulsion of air from a vagina. This can often sound like flatulence from the anus, but doesn't have the same awful stench. Let's just first say we're recording this episode on Tuesday, May 21st. So who knows what's going to happen between right now. Oh, true, 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 true. And when we put it out one week from today. All right. Well, yeah, we're doing an emergency conversation about the abortion bans that are taking place. What I'd like to call this uh, episode is uteruses before deuteruses deciding about our uteruses. Fuck the deuteruses. (laughs) (laughs) That's really all I wanted to say. And now we're going to get into miserable. (laughs) I also, I guess the sex strike didn't work. (laughs) Yeah. Alyssa Milano. Great idea. Great idea. Yeah. Women hate sex. (sighs) (sighs) Um, Also, before we dive on into this, we just want to make sure that we uh, point out that any conversation about access to reproductive health care has to be trans inclusive. And if we and we are doing our very best to make sure that we use trans inclusive language. So we're if we screw up, we apologize in advance. But we do want everyone to know that we do believe that access is a trans inclusive issue and non-binary. Anybody Mm -hmm. with a uterus. Yep. If you got a uterus, this this includes you. Even if you're a deuterus with a uterus. Even if you're a deuterus with a uterus. <laughs> this is the, the, the first and last time we will be laughing yeah, during seriously. this episode. <laughs> okay. Cool. Let's get started. Okay. I mean, I guess we could start off. Eight states have passed bills to limit the procedure this year. Procedure being abortions, obviously. Utah, Kentucky, Missouri, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio. Yeah. Georgia, Kentucky, Missouri, Mississippi, and Ohio passed quote-unquote heartbeat bills, which prohibit abortions after six to eight weeks of pregnancy um, at the time when doctors can usually begin to detect a fetal heartbeat. Which is like a lot of times women don't know they're pregnant at that point. It's even the most sensitive pregnancy test cannot detect pregnancy resulting from sexual intercourse until eight or more days after fertilization. Yeah. And when a doctor says someone's been pregnant for six weeks, it doesn't actually even mean that they've been pregnant for six weeks because doctors calculate how far someone along is along by counting from the first day of the last period. And not everyone has regular menstruation. And so people might only have their period every six weeks, every eight weeks. You don't know. And so this idea that we all have regular periods and therefore know when we are late is completely false. And you could have no symptoms or your symptoms could be like fatigue, bloating, or gas, which could be me after Mexican food. That's me right now. <laughs> like, 
actually, I had Mexican food last night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just the one thing that all of these bills have in common is that the people writing them don't understand how the internal reproductive system works at all. Um, All right. So, for instance, Ohio Representative John Becker, who sponsored a bill that bans insurance from covering abortions, but allows insurance to cover a procedure that doesn't exist, which... Uh, as as an example, reimplanting ectopic pregnancies. He says part of the treatment would be removing the embryo from the fallopian tube and then reinserting it in the uterus. So that defines as not an abortion under under this bill. You can't, first of all, reimplant an ectopic pregnancy. You can, but it's almost never viable. They are incredibly dangerous. So his this level of ignorance could essentially kill a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And an ectopic pregnancy happens on the outside of the uterus, most likely in one of the fallopian tubes, but occasionally in other places like the ovary or abdominal cavity or cervix. You're not a doctor. You don't get to like legislate yeah. some ridiculous fucking, ah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's insane. Um, so we've got Vito Barbieri, who's an Idaho state representative, who thought that you could give a woman a remote gynecological exam by having her swallow a tiny camera. It's just like... I'm not even going to respond. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Eric Johnson, who helped draft the Alabama, Alabama bill, thinks that a man and a woman can have sex and you can take her straight into the clinic and determine that an egg and a sperm came together. Like five meaning, minutes later. Oh, yeah. Meaning that you know that you're pregnant the moment that it happens. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. there's the Texas state representative, Dan Flynn, who believes that abortion requires cutting into a woman's uterus. Cool. So we're dealing with really intelligent, scientifically, medically backed humans here. This is what happens when we don't have access to sex education. Oh, my God. Um. So on top of the those six states or those... Sorry, those five states that have the heartbeat bills, we have Utah and Arkansas that have limited the procedure to the middle of the second trimester, and then Alabama, which has essentially instituted an all-out ban on abortion. I mean, it is, effectively. There's no exceptions for rape or incest. And when when it paused, they actually, the legislature would not pass it with the rape and incest exceptions. They demanded that those be taken out. So it's only health of the woman. I love when they they say that It's about helping the woman. That's my favorite part of it. Mm -hmm. So on top of this being an all-out ban, the legislation... um, So so basically, the legislation bans abortion at every stage of pregnancy and criminalizes the procedure for doctors who who can be charged with felonies and face up to 99 years in prison. And doctors will face the threat of a 10-year sentence for attempting to perform an abortion. Women would not be prosecuted, but they would be held in a prison of their own bodies. So... It seems as though this law, since this law is obviously unconstitutional, but it was drafted in a way to try and kick it up to the Supreme Court with the ultimate goal of overturning Roe. Mm -hmm. So let us not forget that Trump has appointed two Supreme Court justices, the seat that was stolen from Obama and is now held by Neil Neil Gorsuch Mm -hmm. and the one held by Brett Kavanaugh of beer drinking fame. And since Trump was, so when Trump was campaigning, he said he intended to only appoint pro-life judges. He's not, as of the end of April of this year, he has nominated 179 individuals to federal judgeships, 107 of whom who have been confirmed. There are still 148 vacancies. Mm -hmm. So this is going to, the appointment of justices is going to affect our access to healthcare for 
for generations now, yeah. decades, easy. And I, I think Kavanaugh was, I mean, Kavanaugh is the tipping point for all these conservatives to be passing these abortion restrictions because the whole hope is that this will go up to the Supreme Court and that they will be able to uh, reverse Roe v. Wade. Exactly. Um, <sighs> because where we're at now is that John Roberts is our swing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's, I read a number of places that people were really um, motivated by the fact that Kavanaugh was put on the court and they're basically like, this is our time. Mm -hmm. It's fucking crazy. So I know that that we are discussing Roe v. Wade because that's what it, it looks as though is on the chopping block. That's kind of where they're gunning for. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that has been in existence since 1977 is the Hyde Amendment, mm -hmm. which bars the use of federal Medicaid funds for abortion unless the life of the mother is at risk. Rape and incest exceptions were added later. So according to the ACLU, there are 6.5 million women who obtain health care women and people with uteruses who obtain health care through the Medicaid system, the federal and state restrictions on abortion make it difficult and in many cases impossible for low-income women to exercise their constitutional right to a safe and legal abortion. And a study that was carried out in 1984 by the Guttmacher Institute showed that 44% of women and people with uteruses on Medicaid who obtained abortion that year paid for the procedure out of pocket with money that was intended for food, rent, and utilities. So if we're talking about losing access to Roe, we need to recognize that there, ha there is a huge population in the United States today that does not have access to safe abortion care. Mm -hmm. So this isn't new. No, it's it's been going on for a really long time. They're just on a sonic boost right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the same people that want to outlaw ab abortion seem to also be the same people who want to outlaw contraception access which is a big proponent of, uh, I believe, the Alabama law. They also want to stop funding for prenatal care and child care because they really only care about it when it's in the uterus. So as soon as it's breathing, we don't really give a shit about it. Mm -hmm. That, in addition to the, the maternal mortality rate in the U.S., is three times higher than that of any other in the developed country. We think we're ahead of the game, and we are terrible. Yeah, we have the worst maternal mortality rate in the industrialized world, the industrialized world. And actually, the state of Louisiana has the worst in the country with 145.9 deaths per 100,000 births, which is close to the levels that was in Romania in the 1980s when abortion was all out illegal Jesus. and women were obligated to have pelvic exams at work. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, instead of instead of handling the very real crisis that we already have about maternal mortality rates and all of the other things that are with people that are already breathing, they're making it harder for women to receive medical care. Mm -hmm. And one of the big problems is that hospitals, much like these laws, prioritize the health of a baby and the life of a baby over that of the mother. And they miss significant warning signs that something could be terribly wrong with the mother because mm -hmm. they're so focused on saving the baby. Right. And this is why we lose so many women. There is no reason for our maternal mortality rate to be as high as no. it is. And the reality is that people are having abortions across like party lines and geographical lines and religious lines. But the conversation's been dominated by this very conservative view. But the normal like 71 percent of Americans support Roe v. Wade. Right. But we're like backed into this corner because of propaganda based on people who aren't giving us any scientific or medically backed evidence. Right. And so much of it is due to the fact that the way that polling is conducted about abortion historically has been to ask people if they personally are for or against abortion. And that generally splits the population about 50-50. Mm -hmm. But if people are asked two-part questions about whether they 
are for abortion and then for or against personally, and then if they think people should have access, what was found was that about 70% of the population supports abortion rights. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about this, when we look at the political breakdown, is that it's not just Republicans that are doing this. Right. In 2017, Bernie Sanders went on a unity tour where he said that abortion should not be a litmus test for for access into the Democratic Party. And Nancy Pelosi agreed with him. Bernie, uh, Joe Biden yesterday decided that he no longer agreed with the Hyde Amendment. So if we're talking about like big tent politics and we're talking about the Democrats being more accepting of different policies within within our platform or within what's acceptable, why is it that the only issue that's ever on the chopping block is women's access to health care? It's never anything else. There's never any other one issue that people are like, that's ridiculous. We can't not support people based off that one issue. Yeah. It's always this one. And like, and no, fuck that shit. Guns are regulated less than our own bodies. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, sorry, people with uteruses' bodies. Do you want to mention what trap laws are? Yeah, I'll talk about trap laws. Can't I said that way more excited than <laughs> how I actually feel about trap laws. Yeah, so trap laws are essentially... <laughs> what they've been using for years and years to subtly limit abortions. Um, for instance, like mandatory requirements for physicians who have abortions as part of their practice. They have to have admitting privileges at a hospital. Um, but 95% of abortions are done outside of hospitals and no one ever needs to be admitted to a hospital um, because it's an outpatient a lot of procedures are done in outpatient surgery centers. Mm -hmm. Physicians who do colonoscopies don't have admitting privileges. There's just all these like ridiculous laws about they like made a law where you have to have eight feet in your halls to get more than one gurney passed. But again, this is an outpatient center. They don't need that. It's not an emergency room. Mm -hmm. um, so they put all these things into place, which essentially bans all abortions. But abortion can't just be theoretically legal. It has to be literally accessible. <laughs> yeah. And we're not talking about states like New York that just basically enshrined abortion access into state law. We're talking about places like Alabama mm -hmm. where or Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, Ohio, all of these places where if you're trying to get admitting privileges into a local hospital, it might be it's a politically hostile environment. They just won't give it to you. Yeah. There was this guy, I'm going to paraphrase what I can remember from it, but this guy in Alabama had an abortion clinic and he didn't meet all of the trap laws because they're ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so they closed him down and he took all of his retirement fund and he opened another one meeting all of the standards that they had set up for him, all of the impossible standards that are almost too hard to, to do. And they started they passed a new law after that that said that you can't be within like 20 miles from the a, a school and i could be wrong about the 20 miles but it was a yeah. certain amount that you couldn't be from a school so they just kept tacking on things so that you couldn't do it yeah and let's keep in mind that carrying a pregnancy to term is 14% or 14 time 14 times riskier than getting an abortion mm -hmm. than getting a safe legal abortion mm -hmm. so whenever they say this is about like women's lives it is absolutely it's not, not about women's lives if it was about women's lives they'd be putting something into place there's a, the vagueness of all the rulings that are allowing these states to introduce the dozens of trap laws which by the way are targeted regulated um, of abortion prov providers
the supporters tend to characterize them by saying that they are protecting the health of women, which after you hear it enough times starts to sound a little suspicious. Um, <laughs> like, since when do you care? Like, go back and yeah. tell me since when, when Since when do we care a lot about um, the well-being of women? Also considering a mortality rate of 0.00073%. And that's nearly 10 times less than that of one study found that the risk for dying as a result of a colonoscopy is 0.007%. Wow. So like you said, abortions are 14 times safer than giving birth. Giving birth is actually more dangerous for a woman. They keep making it a women's health issue because it sounds good, but it's also kind of how they use terminology to use fear tactics such as uh, partial birth abortions, which are not mm -hmm. true, and how the president of the United States and other people are suggesting that people can have abortions up until the day that a baby is born, which is not fucking true that doesn't happen that's murder the baby's out <laughs> yeah yeah um nobody wants that exactly this isn't this is not about women yeah this isn't about women other than it's a way to control women's bodies yeah so yeah so somebody's floating in texas that the bill would criminalize all abortions with no exceptions for race, rape and incest and would make it impossible uh, to charge a woman with homicide for having the procedure in addition to that in georgia if a woman has a miscarriage, she could be pulled into an investigation to see if she had an abortion, which is ridiculous because miscarriage is incredibly common. Mm -hmm. 10 to 20 percent of known pregnancies end in miscarriage. And that can already be devastating, let alone being pulled into an unnecessary investigation. And what I want to know is, does every time a dude jacks off into a tissue, do we like pull him in for some investigation about possible loss of life? Because why is the onus completely and, and and it also suggests that men don't want their partners to have abortions. Right, which is why we also need our male allies to talk about their abortion experiences, Please. talk about their ab abortion stories, and what that choice has meant for them and mm -hmm. their lives and yeah. the lives of their partners. Um, so for Texas, it was House Bill 896, which was considered by the Texas House of Representatives in April, but it was uh, struck down. But still, it it was a bill. Yeah. I mean, like, fuck that shit. <laughs> I mean, I just don't. Ah. So I also just wanted to mention one thing also that that gets lost, I think, a lot in the conversation is that this issue being so divisive, divisive, is actually relatively new. The Bush family was actually a huge supporter of Planned Parenthood. And Reagan signed into law one of the most liberal abortion bills when he was the governor of California. Trump recently tweeted that he was he is as pro-life as Reagan, but Reagan actually was not. Mm. And and so this all happened, you know, this all of these changes happened in the last number of decades. There was always an organized fight to overturn Roe v. Wade, but it was it was a fringe issue. It's front and center now. And and this is it's actually relatively recent. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, I think, in 2006, House Democrats held up the health. Let me see if I can find it held up. It was anti-abortion Democrats who held up health care reform in 2006. So, again, this is just as much, not to the same extent, but like this is a problem on the left as well. And the fact that people have been telling us when Trump got elected and people kept saying Clinton and Trump are the same, fuck all of those people. But also, we've been yelling about this for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. And we've always been, people have always said that we're hysterical because, oh my God. because, because Roe v. Wade is settled law. It's not. And so maybe you guys should fucking listen when women start sounding and other people start sounding the alarm about issues that affect our lives. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Abortion sucks. <laughs> Man. <laughs> but it doesn't suck. It- Huh? I said abortion sucks and it doesn't. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing too is like, it's not an easy choice for us ever to make, obviously. But well, sometimes it is. And yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. Sometimes it is. And that it shouldn't be a stigma either. Yeah, like not everyone feels bad about having an abortion. And that's okay. Yeah, that's great. It's if fucking you fine. Feel, if, if like you feel you made the choice for yourself and you feel empowered and you feel like it was the right thing for you, then fucking good on you. Yeah. This is, shouldn't be a conversation about morality. It's not about morals. It's healthcare. Abortion is a form of healthcare period. So I don't, there is no moral argument to be made. We don't have a moral conversation about, you know, colon cancer. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm like big on colons today, but well, there was also we talked about colonoscopies today. That's true. Yeah, we did. Uh, it's I, I know it's not the le- uh, it's not always the left, but I do feel like a lot of times it's a huge like evangelical, yeah, right, conservative conversation about there's this interested in life of the embryo and not the real life of the woman who's holding it, and just that the right has is very good has been very good at messaging yeah and so they have packaged this into messaging that we have bought into wholeheartedly so when we look at pro-choice versus pro-life i mean those are misnomers and in fact pro-choice is not nearly an inclusive enough stance Mm -hmm. um that's a reproductive rights perspective and what we need to be looking at is a reproductive justice perspective which has been which is largely run by women of color Mm-hmm. Um, and what that what that says is that when we look at access to abortion, we can't just look at abortion itself. We have to look at the situation, like situational things. So we have to, if you're going to vote to outlaw abortion, then you fucking better be voting f- to better fund schools, to offer living wages, safe housing, um, access to pre and postnatal health care. It's an economic issue. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's wages, healthcare, housing, education policy. All of this is at the heart of the reproductive justice movement. And as Rebe- Rebecca Traster said, it understands access to abortion to be one pivotal part of a far broader set of circumstances that determine if, when, under what circumstances and with what resources human beings might have and raise children. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than like a binary. We just need a more holistic look. It's a way to keep us from advancing in the workplace. It's to keep us from making inroads into government and having successful careers. It's a way to disempower women and keep us inferior. It's a, it's to stop us from competing and progressing and is to put women in danger and to force us to be prisoners to our own bodies. This is not a pro-life movement. It's a forced birth movement. Mm-hmm. It's an anti-woman movement and it has serious racist and classist undertones. Yeah, and if they succeed, it will directly result in death and poverty for women and uterus havers and the underprivileged and a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, we're thinking about people who choose between feeding themselves and saving money to get an abortion. Mm-hmm. We're we're talking about people who have children and simply can't afford another one. And then we have to think about what the outcome is. You know, like if we really care that these children are born, we should we should care about what their outcomes are. And women that are forced, there was a study done recently, um I don't remember what it was, but like it was a they did did like some comparisons of um, of women who were able to get abortions, women who wanted abortions, who were able to get them and those who were not Mm -hmm. and what the outcomes were. And 
they just, you know, a lot of, a lot of the women who were not able to were in a financially precarious situation to begin with. Having another child made it worse and they weren't able to provide parenting in the way that they would have liked. And so the child that they were forced to carry to term generally had worse outcomes than the children that they already had. Yeah. Because women and uterus havers know if we are able to care for another child or not. Yeah. That makes you a mother even if you get an abortion because you're making the right choice for you, your family, and that that fetus. Exactly. And God, pregnancy fucking is hard. You're, yeah, man. You've got a parasite eating all your snacks. <laughs> and you're like... Oh, man. We're blo- going to get death threats now. Right? And you're like bloated and uncomfortable. You have to buy fucking new clothes because you can't fit into your other clothes. You have to get vitamins. You have to be careful about what you eat. All of these different things. There are jobs that... I'm a bartender. If I got pregnant, I mean, I couldn't get fired because, you know, it's against the law for it. But like, I would have to stop bartending at a certain point because I couldn't stand on my feet. To force someone to go through this process when they don't want to, Mm -hmm. it is inhumane. Like, this is a human rights issue. I'm also really, really fucking tired of being considered like only a vessel for life. Like, we haven't evolved to a point where like, women are just baby carriers yeah we're, we're not it's just like constantly being either objectified or some kind of vessel for life or like like ugh. yeah we're second-class citizens yeah and we're either second-class citizens to men or we're second-class citizens to what we grow inside of us mm. like our lives become less valuable the second that yeah somebody who has egg. experiences and somebody who has like a life and people who care about them and you care about a fetus that arguably across religious and other lines may or may not be life. Who decides that? Right. And the other thing that people say all the time, and I think it's worth saying, is that, I mean, we're at a point now where we have we have the dark web. And my feeling is that we won't see quite as many dangerous surgical abortions as we had in the past, because I think people will find a way to get their hands on pills through the dark web. That's so dangerous. Though. It is dangerous. Um, and then what happens when that goes right. awry? Because that can cause a lot of, I mean, that the, the I think the pill is really scary. It is scary. Um, it's a little, I think it's, I, I, I would have to check on this, but I'm pretty sure it's a little bit more unsafe. Like, I'm surprised that they just like give you a pill and let you go. It, it is really, I mean, but they kick women out of the hospital. I mean, you don't even stay in the hospital anymore yeah. after you have a fucking baby. Right. Yeah. You know, they yeah. just kick you right out. Totally. Yeah. I mean, which <laughs> goes yeah. back to our maternal mortality rate. <laughs> right. Right. Like, you care about women. Oh, do you? Because there's a lot of other ways where you could set us up to actually like yeah. benefit us. Yeah. And you know, so you don't care. And these people that are putting these laws into place, they're not talking about paid maternal or paternal leave. They're not talking about access to, you know, rooms where women can pump or breastfeed they're not letting women take their children to work with them mm-hmm. they're not offering free or low-cost child care and i mean honestly even if they offered all of these things i still we still need access to abortion because yeah, even if do. you have everything in the world sometimes you just accidentally get pregnant and you don't want a fucking kid yeah or another kid or a kid right then you know so the fact the fact that like we don't have any of these safety nets 
and they're still doing this. And the fact and the fact that we don't have safety nets because a lot of people, like I said earlier, who want to outlaw abortion are also the same people who want to outlaw contraception. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't make any sense. Like, if you don't want abortions to happen, then you would give us access to the things that we need to prevent it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Free access. Free access. Or like, honestly, like, yeah, I want free access, but access in general. Like, so Ohio, in addition to their House bill that prohibits insurance coverage from covering abortion, uh, it also limits birth control and the morning after pill, which are also not abortions, but they're being regulated like they are. Birth control Mm -hmm. pills contain hormones that prevent a person from ovulating. Why would you want to stop that? The morning after pill similarly does the same thing by preventing fertilization and implantation. So like how far back are we going to go? Yeah. And so, oh my God. So in, in Ohio, so the provision that was, that was proposed banned coverage, uh, from insurance for drugs or devices used to prevent the implantation of a fertilized ovum. So as Jesse was saying, it could eliminate coverage for some forms of contraception like the pill or IUDs. And so Becker, but neither of them cause abortions, but banning them will. <laughs> right. This guy, John Becker. So he actually said, and this is just, you know, cherry on top. When you get, quote, <laughs> when you get into the contraception and abortive fashions, that's clearly not my area of expertise. So don't, you don't get to be in charge then. Right. If it were true that what we typically know as the pill would be classified as an abortive fashion, then I would imagine the drug manufacturers would reformulate it so it's no longer an abortive fashion and is strictly a contraceptive. Like, what are you even talking about? What are you saying? What are you talking about? You're not a medical professional. No. I don't understand. (laughs) So I think, personally, Lindy West kind of summed up the whole thing uh, in my eyes. Uh, She said that anti-choice people are not trying to stop abortion. They're trying to legislate who can and cannot have abortions because conservative politicians, their wives and mistresses and daughters are always going to be able to have access to abortion. They will always be able to get an abortion somewhere. All criminalizing abortion will do is keep people trapped in poverty for generations. That's the goal. And if it wasn't the goal, they would spend their time and money on comprehensive sex education, free birth control, and free contraception. All things that pro-choice people spend their time doing that actually does affect the abortion rate. Right. Right. And when we think about, you know, everyone with their three three exceptions, you know, rape, incest, life of the mother, what we're actually looking at, though, what these people are actually saying is their exceptions are rape, incest, and mine. So like when Trump says, I want an exception for rape, incest, he wants three exceptions. Oh, yeah. He wants rape, incest, and if he accidentally impregnates somebody. Yeah. Because you better fucking believe that that fucking dude does not want to pay for another kid, does not want to have to leave his fortune to anybody, and does not... he. And so it's, it's still in the hands of privileged rich men. Yes. Cis men. Sorry. Yeah. Privileged rich cis men. It's still in the hands of them when they decide that it is okay for their life. Mm-hmm. But it's not our decision. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that women, the outcome kind of like reproves this point, which is that after a child is born, women take a hit in terms of their career and men actually do better. <sighs> they get raises. Yeah. So we're going to I'm going to find that we got to put that in the notes because that's I just saw that article. Yeah. Put that in your fucking pipe and smoke it. Yeah. You know, put that in your stupid, stinky pipe. And by pipe, we mean your dick. Yeah. Smoke your dick. (laughs) Everybody knows some. I I know it's like 
a thing on the internet, but it's true. If one in four women have had an abortion, then you know and love somebody who has or will have an abortion. Mm -hmm. And it's fine. Yeah. It's okay. And they're still good people. It's not a criminal offense. No. And it shouldn't ever be. And a fertilized egg shouldn't be treated as a legal person. Yeah. Fuck you, Georgia. Like counting eggs, counting like fertilized eggs into their population. Zygotes are not dependents. No. (laughs) So what? So what happens then? Like, do they get social security payments? Like what happens? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the definition of unborn child includes a fertilized egg, which allows women to collect child support payments before birth and allows parents to claim the unborn child as a state income tax exemption. It's it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Shout out to all the men who told women we were being melodramatic when we said we were scared after Trump was elected. Unlike all the plan B I bought in November 2016. (laughs) You smug chodes are past your expiration date. Ugh. Anyway, for all the rage and frustration, but we do have some things that you can do. Uh, yeah, actually. So how do we counteract this? In response to all this, the abortion bans, 50 organizations, including P- Planned Parenthood, NARAL, Sister Song, and the Women's March, will be holding more than 400 demonstrations across the country as part of the National Day of Action to Stop the Bans. So follow hashtag Stop the Bans to hear all the updated news and actions that are taking place. And you can check out their website. There's a, a map and um, for all the registered events. I know a lot of people have been asking where they should send money and what they should do. There are organizations that have been doing this work for a very long time. Rather than get excited and start your own organization, mm-hmm. find ones that are already established, that have already been doing all of this. So one place you can look to is the National Network of Abortion Funds, which includes 76 local funds in 41 states, each of which helps women navigate the barriers they face in gaining access to abortion. They offer money, transportation, housing, and help women with logistics. And only 29 of those 76 funds actually have paid staff. The rest are all run by volunteers. Mm. So find those funds and send money their way. You can also volunteer at Planned Parenthood. And you can also become an abortion clinic escort, which is pretty self-explanatory. You pretty much accompany women who are seeking reproductive care on their walk from transportation to the clinic because... Sometimes there are really nasty people waiting outside of abortion clinics. It's like really inaccurate photos. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, but you can find uh, local clinics, visit the website for National Abortion Federation and Abortion Care Network, both of which have maps that will show you all the abortion providing clinics in each state. You can call your local congressperson and urge them to support the Each Woman Act. It's a serious congressional challenge to the Hyde Amendment that was put forward by Barbara Lee out of California. So pick up the phone, call your congressperson, Each Woman Act. You can direct people and yourself to become a member of uh, abortion funds. They're here to pretty much connect you with organizations that can support your financial and logistical needs as you arrange for your abortion. Yeah, make sure you vote. So here in New York, we have abortion access that's been written into law as of this January. So we're safe here. But other lives depend on our activism and our knowledge about local elections. So when we're looking at what's happening in these states, we're not we need to be looking at our state legislatures. We need to be looking at our governors. So when you're voting, don't only vote for the presidency. I know that that's like the big ticket item and everyone's all about it. And we're all fucking fired up about this nonsense that's going on. But your state government makes a really, really fucking big difference. It's the it's those state legislatures that are putting these laws into place. So stay active. Talk about your abortion. Uh, tell your story. Normalize it. And as we said earlier, 
men, <laughs> cis men, please. Mm-hmm. We really need you to be allies now more than ever. It, it doesn't help enough for you to just stand next to us. It's You need to tell stories about how you have had abortions that you don't regret having with your partner and how it's personally benefited you to have abortion rights because it's the right thing and because it's true. Yeah, and speaking of, if there's anyone who wants to come on and tell their abortion story, if there are any men out there who want to tell their stories, if there are couples that want to come on and tell their stories, if there are women who have children who decided to have an abortion between two or whatever, come tell your stories. We're interested in hearing from you. And remember, uterus havers, there's some good things. New York enacted a measure that guarantees a fundamental right to abortion in the state. We all have your backs, have each other's backs. And remember, they don't control your bodies and they can't make us smile. You ready? Yes. We can just do it. All right. Thank you for listening to Welcome to My Vagina. It's time for us to slide on out of here. It never gets less gross. (laughs) Make sure to rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. Oh my God, please rate and review us, please. It really helps. It helps so much. Do we sound desperate yet? Because we are. A little bit. A little bit desperate. If you love us then you'll write about us. You can also check us out on Instagram at Welcome to My Vagina. On Twitter at Welcome to My Vag. Uh, at YouTube, you can just type in Welcome to My Vagina. And send us an email at welcometomyvagina.com. We also have an email. If you want to email us questions, we're totally down to answer them at welcometomyvagina.com. Uh, I'm going to not correct my myself. Just, you know, you get it. Vagina. Check out all of Rebecca's musings at franklyrebecca.com. And make sure to check out all of the other awesome content at More Banana. Yeah. Thanks, Caitlin. She's our producer. Okay, thanks. Bye. See you next Tuesday. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleepwave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice.